Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic's great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wurzlow. Got it out to a oh. kick, kick smothered, check, Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Kicks inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a player. Shake needs to be in perfect the premiers of 1992. The 1994 premiers. Premiers. The 2018 AFL Premiership team. The West Coast Eagles. G'day everyone. Welcome to the Big Footy Eagles podcast for another week. Honey Badger 35 here. I'm joined by Keys and I'm joined by Bender. Gentlemen, it was a big week for the West Coast Eagles, of course. Another game, as there always will be, but another rising star nomination, and that's going to be the main story for us tonight. The main bit of positivity that we do like to inject in today's... We'll get to that in due course. There's a little bit of footy to discuss as well. Follow us on Twitter, Twitch, on Facebook, all that good stuff. Jump in the comments, share the show, have your say as well. We'd love to get a bit of feedback tonight as well, because, guys, we will be talking about some young Let's get straight into it, though, gentlemen. We will talk about the Port Adelaide game. It was the West Coast Eagles, 10 goals, 9, 69. Unfortunately, defeated by Port Adelaide, 16, 13, 109. Uh, Bender, look, as I said, plenty to discuss by way of individuals and the takeaway from Eagles fans, you know, a couple of performances that did catch the eye. However, general overview of the game for yourself, the scoreline, borderline, flattering, you know, sort of in line with what we've seen in recent weeks, but ultimately maybe another interesting step forward in the development of this rebuilding club. Yeah, there's look, there's there's positives to take from it, but the the big negative is is the same as against the like you know Geelong the week before was a, a solid kind of twenty minute fade out of a, a lack mm. of pressure or uh, not being able to stem the um, the tide from uh, momentum I guess from the opposition and where they really piled it on. Um, I'm not it wasn't obviously as big as the Geelong game. I think it might have been. I know Keys will probably be better at maybe seven goals or something they kicked instead of nine. Six um, four six. to one three. Yeah, in that second yeah. quarter. Yeah, so that was probably the you know again. Um, I think that's a sign of a young squad is resting back um, momentum. Um, but I, I look, it's, it's hard to tell. Uh, we're, we're kind of at a point where we're kind of happy where we're breaking even and it feels like they mm. broke even, if not maybe got, you know, a little bit on top in that from that period onwards. Um, yep. But yeah, there were positive signs at least. Keys, how did you say it? Because of course, you know, as we said, we'll get into some individual performances later on, but Coming into the game, last week we even had some tips that we'd get thumped by 100. And I think, you know, we sort of discussed about maybe that six or seven goal mark might be the pass mark. It's landed in there in a little bit more conventional sense this week than that Geelong game, which was a real roller coaster. So what did you take away from it? Yeah, I think we, I think Paul got the first couple. And then mm. we sort of, I was probably a little bit nervous, sort of thinking, well, geez, you know, we needed a good start and we haven't. Yeah, we started well against Geelong, getting the first couple, and then better turn. I thought, well, geez, we're not getting on the board early. We might be, but we worked our way back in through that first quarter, and it was only five points. So it was pretty even first quarter, really. Um, and then yeah, they just sort of it wasn't like a blitzkrieg like Geelong the the previous week, but they just sort of slowly worked their way on top of us, um, and we just weren't able to get their hands on the ball properly. I think um, we had a Again, we had a lot of trouble getting the ball to our advantage going forward inside 50. We kicked it to Alia a lot, which is a good intercept defender, but we weren't we weren't really looking all that 
uh, looking at our options all that well when we went forward. So we turned we turned it over, and then um, you know turnovers these days you're going to get caught. And you know, our defence was a bit you know a bit of a rabble. You know there was always sort of space for them and things like that. Um, and then yeah, I, you know the second half we you know we fought it out. I think we we didn't win the second half. I think we lost it by about four or five points. I think it. It was yeah thereabouts, but we at one stage I think Port kicked the last goal, and had they not kicked that, we would have won the second half by a couple of points or something minor. Um, so you know the signs the signs are there um, that when things go well for us, we can work our way into a game and we can be competitive for patches, but we just aren't able to sustain it for for long enough. And and when sides do get on top, you know they they can score pretty heavily on us. So yeah, that's that's just something that we need to we need to get on top of. I'm, yeah, they're working on it, and they're young guys, and they're going to make mistakes. So, um, but you know, it, it's just that thing. It's just the way this season is going to be for now. It's you're not going to get we're not going to get a lot of wins because we haven't got the depth of talent through there, particularly whilst you know we've got you know a um, and I, you know, we've got sixteen people on the injury list, mm. so you, you're just not you're not going to get through that. So, uh, yeah, takeaways: there's some guys that are, that are growing, um, yeah, and the, the ones that are, yeah, guys like Williams and Waterman and Jones and like even Witherden to a to a slightly lesser extent, guys that you weren't sure about at the start of the year as to whether or not they were AFL footballers, mm. and I think. You know, they actually are growing. I mean, Waterman definitely and Jones definitely. And Williams has taken on the responsibility of the last month to, you know, he, his improvement game on game has been quite impressive, actually. And, you know, he got, what, seven coaches' votes on the from the weekend was, you know, equal second best on ground with Finlayson. So, according to the coaches. So, that's a fair effort um, for a guy that, you know, in round one got torched by Hugh Greenwood and Combin or whatever his name was. Yeah, so, Combin for a minute, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I suppose let's discuss then because that's as good a jumping off point as any there. Bender, Bailey Williams, we discussed uh, on the show last week for him, you know, he's building up and, and carrying a lot of the a lot of the workload. 80%, 85%, 86%, he's doing more and more of the centre bounces. Waterman is the chop out essentially, but, you know, not really being asked to do too much because Williams is building into this. We touched last week on the fact that maybe Port Adelaide had missed a trick. I know lyset has been down on form, but rather than loading up on a Ruckman and really going at us and, and maybe proving that as a point of difference they sort of let us back into it a little bit by going a bit inexperienced a little bit undersized Finlayson obviously had a nice game as well playing his part as a chop out but I'm, I'm just wrapped with Williams who saw this coming because Bender I certainly didn't you look at the numbers you know 13 clearances easily our highest on the season Shuey had nine in a game once so he's just, nominally he's our best midfielder 37 hitouts. he had 21 touches and he's only taken two marks which you can say all right maybe he's not intercepting but equally 21 touches two marks he's finding his own footy he's going and getting it I was just wrapped with Bailey Williams and I've got to be honest and I'll, I'll cop to it didn't see this coming at all yeah look I think it's there's two sides to it I think one he, he needed a game to build you know to feel like he belongs I think and I think this was one of those games for him I think like you know he'll get so much confidence from this run from like you know coaches votes everyone recognizing how good he was all the touches mm. clearances hit outs and stuff it'll only be a positive for the future but you said it at the start the quality of opposition you can only play who you matched up against they weren't the highest quality but look if it, if it gets in his head that you know, uh, look, I can I can do something here by 
having whether it's you know stomping on lesser opposition then great then you know what else is he supposed to do but yeah look i think you look at his athletic profile and he's he's big he's agile you know probably his core strength's not probably as great as it should be but there's so much to like about the way he moves and the way like how fast he is and that he can get get down on the ground and clear the ball up and clear it out and stuff just a couple of little points on his game that he used to work on like they even i think maybe in the first kind of half a dozen center bounces when he got his first tap on the ball he's still not quite going to where one of our players is he kind of just hits it in a direction i don't think he, yep. you know what i mean he doesn't quite hit it to, to someone who's running onto it or to who's, who's you know like someone taller who's standing stationary you know little bits to work on but you're right you know, couldn't be happy with his performance over the past fortnight at least i reckon maybe three weeks he's just been building uh Keys, another young mid and, and somebody that we've been keeping an eye on all season naturally, Ruben Jinby. I'm interested to see, obviously we'll get to the Cully element of it, but just going through some centre bounce numbers, which you know I love, Cully's down from 70% centre bounce attendances to zero. Obviously his role changed the most dramatically of everybody, but Jinby has been consistently at that 60% or above mark. We know he got subbed out of the previous game, so maybe there's that little bit of a health mix up there and see if he's ready to play out a full game in the guts, but only 38% centre bounce attendance. He still kept those tackles numbers high which we know that he absolutely loves eight tackles but just the 12 disposals what do you make of the changed role trying to get some new faces in or is it just sort of making sure that we don't overload Jinby way too much too early oh, I think it's a load management thing I think you played um you played halfback um, I think the plan may have been to sort of rotate him and Shuey between halfback and centre maybe a little bit. Um, so yeah, that's why his disposal down. I, I think it's just you know not wanting to not wanting to break him, especially yeah. at the moment where where numbers are low. We can't you know we can't afford to have another guy get hurt um, with sauna. So I think they're just they're really just looking after him. I think it's a it's a pretty pretty good way of going about it. I mean, it's a different type of halfback. Um, he's not like a Dacos or a Sheasel who's going to find, you know, going to find the ball third times and distribute it like that. That's not the the type of player he is. But he played on played on Power Pepper a little bit, I think. Um, we certainly and, got him with an absolute ripping tackle. Yeah, so you know he, he sort of did reasonably well in in that role. So um, yeah, it's just another learning thing for him, and just you know a way to keep him out and. and I forget who else was in the centre bounces, but you know, I think we got a you know, Gaff was in there obviously a lot with Kelly. Yeah. Um, you know, it was, it was just some other looks. Just I just track back to Williams a little bit. One of the things I really liked with his game was was his aggression, which is not something I've sort of really seen from him in the past. And as much as you know, was just sort of talked about. Um, you know the low, the you know he was rocking against Tuchel. Um, but a lot of his work, his best work was done after the after the contest. Yeah. Um, and that that then that doesn't matter if you're rocking against Tuchel or Grundy or or Darcy or whatever. If you're able to follow the ball up on the ground like he was, um, yeah, that's fine. And I think that's that's where I think he's built his confidence a little bit. Uh, was was going okay? Well, I'm going to get the ball, and 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 it showed in his clearance numbers. I think he. I think he may have been what, three or four centre clearances and relatively clean, like going through, getting it and getting a good kick sort of deep forward line. So, um, so I just want to track back onto that, onto Williams. But yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy, you know, it's a bit quiet again, but you know, he'll learn a little bit more again. I think he might have spent some time on Rosie at stages. So yeah, he keeps learning. That's what he's, that's what the year is for him. 
Uh, Williams, 13 clearances, as we discussed. Even if you take that out, though, he was still averaging three clearances a game coming in. So he's finding his own footy really well this year, and, and he's now averaging 4.7 a game, which is just under Shuey for third on the team. Kelly, 5.3, Shuey, 4.8, and Williams now 4.7, clearance machine. Uh, Bender on Luke Shuey. It was a familiar tale. He came in. We were wrapped. A little bit into the game. He gets injured. He goes out. We're all disappointed again. I mean, he's out for a month now with the hamstring slash ankle combo. I understand why they're persisting. And obviously, you know, forgive me for being a bit stats heavy at the start of this one, but I was looking into some of the numbers. He's top 20 in the league in center clearances, and he's only attended 26% of our center bounces. Like He's an absolute clearance machine when he's in there. So I see why they get tempted into doing it, but it's just not happening. The body's not right. It's not letting him perform. And ultimately, we're getting into that stage where you're almost, I know the sub mitigates it somewhat, but you're almost expecting him to come out of a game at some point how does that factor into the selection so you know given that Shuey's going to be out for a month Bender we do need to fill that void in the meantime but how do we how do we manage him now for the rest of the season and, and I would dare say probably that's going to be it you know for the rest of the season up until potentially retirement yeah look I, I don't think we're in a position where we can just go oh well mate you know you're done go away like you know mm. like maybe you're not like a mid-season retirement like glass and I don't you know I think he deserves obviously to see the season out oh, at yeah. the very least so so I think think you know if we what, what have we got to lose we're we're going to be bottom four you know just kind of nurse him see if we can come back play a game play a farewell game whatever whatever he wants to do but yeah it's it's becoming to the point even that he's you know to, to go back to the derby when, when the mm. way that he was hitting the center bounces you could just you could think to yourself how long is it going to be before he hurts his hamstring and it was yeah. inevitable and then the, you know the, this one was obviously the ankle um not much he could do about that you know his, his awkward foot movement and he rolled it but then obviously See there the the injury list. I I try to stay off it because it just depresses me. But now it's yeah. now it's a combo hamstring. I, I I'm obviously they they yeah, sent him back on. That, probably giving him a, a jab. Go ahead, Keith. Yeah, I, I think from the the way they spoke on the injury report was that yeah got the ankle. He tried to play through it and then decided he couldn't. And then after the game when he cooled down, he's like, "Oh, my hamstrings a little bit tight." So. He, it didn't do a hamstring as such, I don't think, just that it was a bit tight. I'm actually surprised that the club's mentioned it in, in, in mm. other ways. It's actually, a, it's actually a step forward from the club because they could quite easily have um, hidden that um, and not said anything about his hamstring. And no and none of, no one would be any the wiser. He's, he's out with ankle four or five ankle. weeks and, and no one to know. So it's sort of it's interesting that they, they mentioned it because... I think in the past they wouldn't have. Um, so it's an ankle, yeah, and I think the problem with with Luke is, yeah, his it's his body now. It's not. It's just. It's not. I don't think it's. A, I don't think it's a fault of the medical staff. I don't think it's because he's not putting in the work or things like that. It's just he's at that age, and that's the way his body is. And some guys like yeah, you know, David Mundy are incredibly durable and things like that. But sure, his body's wired a bit differently, and we've seen. He's not the first guy to suffer chronic hamstrings at the back of his career that have ended it. So, I mean, there's there's a multi. I mean, Buckley, his career was ended by yeah, he just couldn't get his hamstrings right. And, um, there's plenty, plenty of others. Um, yeah, Stephen Hill was another one. Yeah, that, you know, he just yeah, he he sort of build up. You know, you could get to a certain level, but then when you went to push it, they just they they, they couldn't go. So, um, yeah, I I, I sort of posted I thought you know maybe with this hamstring that you know Luke might sort of decide to pull a pin if he's if he can't get his hamstring right now that he, he might just say look I'm I'm cooked and I can't mm. go on um I mean 
I, I won't be angry if he doesn't. Uh, I mean, if we can get another nah. handful of games out of him, good. Uh, I mean, we all hope that he gets right and he can play it the season. But I think this is. I, you, you've got to say this is his last year. You can't. You, you can't sort of make a case for him playing on next year now. No. Nah. When he's an in and then he's straight away and out, it's it's very disappointing, yeah. obviously, to see. It would yeah. be no more disappointing for us. It would be way far more so disappointing for him, for sure. But sort of is what it is. Um, let's wrap up the Port game, guys. We'll do a little bit of a quick fire go around, uh, quick assessment on a few players. Uh, Bender, we'll start with you. Jack Petricelli, he led us for inside 50s, six inside 50s, 14 touches, bobbed up with a goal, fair few clearances as well by his standards. What are we making of that? Anything? Nothing? Another flash in the pan? Well, my my review of Petch's career is one good thing, too bad. Like, you know what I mean? He'll do yeah. something really good and then he'll do two shockers. Um, and it felt like that way during the game. Look, he, he was up and about. Um, he, he had intensity, you know, he, in the first half. I thought he was lively, but I really want him to make it. I think there's something there, but we, we keep on going on, you know, I'm not alone when thinking that he needs a block of games, um, but mm. his body lets him down, and then he comes back, he has a couple of stinkers, has a couple of decent games, if we say he needs a block of games, body lets him down again, it's a bit of a cycle. Um, look, I think something's there, we need his age bracket to, in, in our list, we need an, you know, from his age perspective, so uh, you know, hopefully he can string some decent games together and we can see something good from him at least. Uh, Migs in the comments here is posting from the podcast account, so it looks like we're posting to ourselves there, great stuff Migs, thanks for that mate. Uh, don't want to see Shuey before the buy now. Make sure he's 100% right, then give him another week. Uh, one good thing, two bad things could be the name of this podcast. I reckon it's probably <laughs> going to be the name of this week's episode. That's a good one. Keys, Tom Barass. He's been out of sorts this year. He was sort of back involved. The AFL player ratings absolutely loved him for whatever that's worth. 17 touches, 10 marks, you know, a fair few spoils as well and some good defensive work. Big matchup coming up this week, you'd expect. We'll talk about that at the back end, but how did you see his game? Yeah, probably a good time for him to find some form because he'll need it this week, obviously. Um, yeah, I thought he played really well. Um, I know Finlayson kicked five goals, but I don't think any more than you know one, perhaps two, were, were with Barras marking him. And I think in the in the second half, in particular, Finlayson was getting quite frustrated because Barras was sort of dominating him early, um, particularly further up the ground around half forward wing sort of areas. Um, easily his best game for the year. So, you know, hopefully that's sort of... Yeah, you know, I think last year he, he sort of started off a little bit slowly as well um, before sort of really turning it on. So, you know, maybe that's the game that that's sort of done it. So, yeah, he, he was good. He was sort of back to back to what you expect from, from Tom. So hopefully that's a good launching pad for the rest of the year for him. Well, Gov was so good at the start of last year and obviously then went out and then Barras went on to what I think was an All-Australian season. Obviously, it didn't work out that way. But uh, maybe shades of that, you know, now that Gov's gone down, he's figured out his role and he's settled in. We'll, we'll wait and see how that plays out. Uh, Luke Edwards, for you there, Bender, 17 disposals. He went from zero centre bounce attendances to taking 50% of them. So obviously a clear change of role. He's a bit of a clearance machine as well for a guy that's not really the prototypical big midfielder. Another nice step for him, maybe another guy that just needs that block of games. Yeah, I, I think with his his touches as well, now that you say 17, if, if you had asked me how many he had, 
that, I would have said 10. He, he quietly racks oh, them okay. up. You know what I mean? You, you don't really see it. It's not really like flashy disposals mm. that he gets. A lot of them's quick hands, getting it out of the area. Um, but look, I, I think still think he's, again, We haven't, I don't think he's been exposed enough to get a proper opinion of him. Um, probably a little bit lacking in foot speed, uh, which is a worry with our midfield, where there's some other players that are lacking it as well. So having him in the same team as perhaps Sheed and Gaff and Cully, or if they're all in at the bounce, it's a bit of a worry. But I don't know. Look, I, I'm, I'm optimistic about him. Um, and I'd, again, like to see more games for him before getting a proper judgment. But it was a terrible game, just a very quiet racking me up, you know, unassuming, I would say. Mm. Uh, and last one, Keys, and there's obviously going to be a very big-named player to come out of this in terms of Rising Star, Jai Cully. We will talk about him just shortly, but the last one for yourself there, Keys, would be Zane True. Looking at his numbers, zero disposals to halftime, and then Simo's actually gone on record and said they made a big conscious effort to get him more involved at the stoppages, make him a bit more of a target. Eight disposals in the third quarter, so that would be pretty pleasing. Finishes up with nine, so obviously a very quiet fourth term, term as well. He has been dropped, and we'll circle back to that when we get to the Carlton game, but a rare chance for Zane True at the AFL level. What are, you, what are your thoughts on where he's at? Yeah, I, I had the opportunity, just didn't work out for him. I think it's, you know, I might talk about with the other game, I'm a little bit disappointed being dropped, because I think, you know, we probably need to give those guys, hmm. you know, two or three games in a row. I mean, it's not as if, you know, We've got blokes outside the 23 banging down the door for a for a spot in the side. So I think we could have, you know, just persisted with him for another week at least and just said, okay, well, you've got a taste. Just, just sort of back it up and see if you can apply what you learnt and, and do it. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, in the normal course of events, you know, you get a guy gets doesn't touch the ball, the midfielder doesn't touch the ball for half a footy year. Yeah, you're probably not going to be all that surprised that he's been dropped. I mean, that's, you know, you need to get your hands on it. So, um, so yeah, maybe he's got some things he's got to work on. I, I expect he'll be looking at the side. I expect he'll probably be the sub for this week. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's good that, that they sort of recognise that, okay, well, let's try and build this guy's confidence up a little bit and try and feed the ball through him a little bit. Um, and, you know, it worked. You know, he got eight possessions, so probably came off feeling a little bit better about himself and goes, okay, well, I, I, yeah, I can find it sometimes. So, um, But, yeah, he's probably one of those guys that yeah, he has a bunch of them that are the last year of a contract. They've got to try and find a way to justify getting kept on the list because at the end of the year, there's going to be seven or eight blokes that get moved on. That's just the reality of footy. Um, I was just going to mention it was nice to see Bazo out there and yeah. you know, actually come on as a sub to replace Sui and you know, and he held his own. He did he did pretty well. He got got pinged for a really fucking iffy hold on the ball at one stage, yeah. um, which was which was pretty I thought it was pretty stiff. Um, but he came on, he looks you know, he sort of followed on from last year, you know, looks composed, doesn't panic when he got the ball in his hand. So it was nice to see it was nice to see both those young boys sort of get a game together after the um the off season they both had. Gents, another story out of the Port Adelaide game. It is obviously the Rising Star nomination. The Eagles waited 68, 69 rounds for a Rising Star nomination. We got Jinby earlier in the year. Bender, we now have Jai Cully. Four goals from him. Four goals won, 10 touches. Uh, as I mentioned sort of during the Port wrap-up, a very different role. He was coming out of the square. He was playing off the flank. He was a dedicated forward. We saw in the previous week he can take a good mark. We know he's decent overhead. Suddenly he's popping up. He's crumbing. He's doing forward pressure. He's 
jailing these set shots from 40 metres out on an angle. Is this a, a new string to his bow, Bender? Is this something we should be expecting week on week? Or, you know, does this make you still think, all right, it's nice for a week, but let's get him back in the guts? Uh, I don't know. Ideally, we, we all, well, we, I'll speak for myself here. I'd like him to be some massive Patrick Cripps centre player. But if he's not that person then he and he feels out, you know, a better position somewhere else, then, then that's great. And I thought, um, I think he's got kicking for goal is, is quite good from his highlights that I watched from pre-draft. Um, and it was, he's he's big, you know, he's bigger than Darling or taller than Darling and taller than Waterman. Probably doesn't quite obviously have their their speed or, or jump that they have. But uh, look, I, I think it's, like you said, a great string to have to the bow. I'd love to have him rotating still through the middle. I still think there's something there that we need to see that we, we still haven't seen yet, whether that's good or bad. Um, but yeah, look, it's like you said, there's so many little things that we want to take from this year. Rising star nominations are nice. We know that, you know, that kids are getting game time and they're, they're showing something and that we need that when we're not getting wins and when we're in the state that we are. So good on him. Really happy. And I was really happy that Van Ruin didn't steal it from him with with his three goals. But, clutch, um, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it was, um, it was a good turnout, nonetheless. Very happy for him. Uh, Keys, Bender mentioned there, you know, obviously playing a lot of kids, 11 guys in that under 50 games bracket. Well, you know what? Two of them have had a rising star nomination this year already. So at this rate, we might be onto a bit of a winner come round 23, round 24. What, do you, what did you make of Cully's game? Obviously very pleasing to see, but is that this is the new look for him in a team with Darling, Waterman and Allen all available. It didn't seem necessary as such, but it was interesting and, and you can't argue it certainly works. Yeah. I must, I must admit that sort of watching the game, I didn't really pick up that he wasn't playing in the middle at all. Um, but you know, he's plays pretty much as a permanent forward. I think what this is, when we won the flag in 18, we had very clear lines of, you know, it was yep. like unionised demarcations. It was like the forwards are forwards and mids are mids and the, the backs are backs and, you know, none shall merge. You know, you had you had clear lines as to what you are. Um, you know, now the way the game is, is that's um, it's not possible now. You need to have, you know, eight, nine guys that can rotate through the middle and... Obviously, you can't do that all at once, so they've got to find a spot somewhere else. So, if we're getting guys like someone like Cully that can say, "Well, we'll, we'll you know, we'll spend twenty-five, thirty percent of game time down as a forward," uh, you know, there's a chance to hit the scoreboard, and you know, someone like Kelly can, you know, he can go forward at times. Um, you know, Jimmy can play. You know, he's learning to play back. Yep. Um, hopefully, someone like you know when Noah Long comes in, that he can start to move from the forward line into the midfield a little bit. Um, so we get those guys who can play multiple roles. So, um, and as Cully, you know, as his game improves, you want to guys. If he's having a quiet day in the midfield, you say, okay, well, let's throw him forward, knowing well that. It can have an impact down there. So, um, yeah, and the goals were, you know, one was a sort of running onto a loose ball into the goal squarely, got his shoelace on and a couple of of nice crumbs and then one from a tackle. Um, And we saw the week before that he can actually run out and and, uh, take a mark as well. So uh, it's just, just a nice little bit of development uh, for a guy that, you know, was a free swing last year and, and from the sounds of it, he's, he's settled in really well into WA. And, and I think, you know, in his own words, said so hopefully you're here with a long time. He's building, he's building a really good rapport with the young guys as well. That group is starting to form a little a unit. And that's what we, that's what we need to need, that group of guys to come through um, at, 
the unit and um, develop together. And yeah, that's that's what we've seen the the sort of the beginnings of now. So yeah, hopefully we've got another couple of more rising stars in us before the end of the year. Absolutely, uh, Bender. Using the Cully talking point, I suppose to jump off of someone whose name I don't actually think we've mentioned on the show just yet is Tim Kelly, and he obviously phenomenal game from him yet again. He's having a great season. Uh, for me, it's his best season as an Eagle, and you could almost argue it's borderline his best season period with the way he's sort of carrying a, a bit of an undermanned team. The Cully, Kelly, and Jinby trio, I think, are the three that certainly I'm pinning the midfield hopes on in the medium term. Is that a group that you can see working? Like, is that something that you want them to actually be rolling out by the time we hit round 15, 16, 20, 23, whatever? Or, you know, is there the right balance given that Cully is quite a particular type of player in terms of the size and maybe doesn't have that burst that some of the other big body mids have? You know, there's a lot of physicality and, and grunt work for, for lack of a better term in there, but... It, What's the midfield mix look like around Jai Cully if he does continue to develop? Yeah, look, I think those three, I'd be pretty happy ideally to see that centre bounce more than once in a game and, and see how it works at least. I think I think you're right. I think they complement each other really well. You've got burst from, from Kelly and Jinbi and then you've got defensive side from Jinbi and, and Cully. Um, so, you know, there's, there's no reason why on paper and as an idea it, it wouldn't work well. And I think, you know, I, I, I would really like to see it, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. If, if we ever will, but going forward, I you know you if you if you said you know so, something to keep us happy with the with the form that Kelly's in and you know running forward or the ball, he needs people that are, are playing defensive football and and those two can do it well. You'd think maybe help him push forward that little bit better and not worry about the the ball going the other way so much, and he can get you know get it forward and inside fifties and goals, which is you know what he seems to be doing really well so far this year. Yeah, I think there's uh, we talked last off season when uh, Jack Redden retired and sort of went. Cully was coming along, obviously had all those tackles in his early blocker games, but Keys, maybe that might be a bit of a, a Redden replacement was sort of an easier role to see him slotting into, but you know, I think there's a midfield mix there, and I know obviously he's got his rising star playing forward, but assuming yeah. he continues to track Keys as a midfielder, there's a bit of a mix there, I think, where there's a lot of people that can suddenly do a lot of things. Like you say, there's a bit more versatility to the side with a guy like Cully in and, and with the guys around him that might complement him. Yeah, I think... Um... Probably at this stage of their careers, so Gimby and Jimby and Cully are probably they're a little bit reactive and they're probably not as good at reading the ball off the ruckman's hands in the centre bounce. So I think that's where having both having both of them now, um, you, you you're probably giving away a little bit. You're putting a lot on Kelly to sort of read the ball and shark it. Um, but yeah, you know, that's all part of again. It's part of the learning. It's like the more time they spend in there, the better they get at that. So. Uh, you know, I think Cully, Cully is probably more a Redden type. Cause, I mean, Redden was never quick, um, but he was good at getting in the way and and sort of being a disruptor in the in the middle and things like that. And I think, you know, at 194, 195 centimetres or whatever he is, you know, Cully's going to be, you know, I think I could see him becoming really important in the centre square in terms of um, defensive type mid that just say, okay, well, He's not necessarily going to win it, but he's going to disrupt um, the other side from from getting a, a nice clearance. Let's get into some heroes and villains then. Uh, gentlemen, we will quickly whip around with some heroes because I know the villainy is always the more fun element of this segment. Bender, lead us off. Did anybody do right by you or do right by the West Coast Eagles this week? Look, I, I, well, I, uh, I hope... 
when I think of this segment, I'm always kind of wanting to have a little bit of a laugh. Like there's there's no one that really yeah, makes yeah. me angry enough, or even whether it's heroes or, or villains. But my heroes for this week were the um the two Frio supporters who turned their back on um ah, yeah. lob kicking for goal. They they made my weekend those two guys because they were just the embodiment of a Frio bitter supporter about a person leaving their team who wasn't really that good anyway. Like, you know, so that really honestly this is made where my I'm weekend. At. It was fantastic. This is where I'm at with Lob. I just don't, I obviously, he became the story and I get it. It's a homecoming of sorts. It's a return, but it's Rory Lob boys. What are we doing? Like he was there for what, two years, three years, two, wasn't it? It wasn't even that long. And I know uh, last year he had his, it was there for, it was last year was his fourth. No, it wasn't. Bloody hell. Well, he didn't get his jumper dirty a single time in the four years. I can tell you that much for free. I just didn't. I don't get it. By the way, I don't know why not to pile in on the bloke, because if you'd like to see me pile in on him, bigfooty.com forward slash West Coast Eagles is probably the place to go. But what what do the dogs want from him? They've got the best compliment of talls across the board there. Why have they gone out and thrown cash at Rory Lobb? I don't get it. Obviously, they got the last laugh on the night. But yeah, good shout, Bender. There was a lot of, a lot of joy to be had in that. Uh Keys, we were discussing pre-game, so I, uh, pre-show, I suppose. I'll give you this one, but a couple of familiar faces bobbing up in the waffle as well that certainly gave us a little bit of heroism this week. Yeah, Will Schofield, I think you guys discussed the, you and uh, Mop and Megs, Will Schofield sort of mm. putting his hand up to play, and I think last week it was it was all a bit of a surprise, and it was one of those things that they had... Yeah, could have really embarrassed everyone, but he rolled up forward, kicked a nice goal. Um, yeah, got a mark on the goal, and yeah, could have had uh, another. By the way, he banged so, one from yeah, fifty-five that worked, sat yeah, up. Become a bit of a good news story. Um, yeah, from the sounds of it, he's going to play another another handful if he's if if his body holds out. Um, so yeah, good on him. It's probably you know there's some sort of broader issues about what it says about the waffle and the. The standalone side and, and things like that when you're dragging a guy that's been retired for two and a half years to, to play. But, you know, um, you know, listening to him talk about it and so, you know, the guys are young. The, the, the guys, are, the ammos and that, they're kids and stuff like that. So just as an old head to just get in there and, um, and try and get them to enjoy some footy when they're getting belted. Good on him. He's done the right thing by, uh, by the club. So, yeah, he's, he's my hero. Um, and I'll, I'll roll into him on something else as well that morphs into a um, into a villain. All right. Well, we'll we'll pause on that just quickly because Miggs has come through here. Kane Mitchell for doing a Schofield and suiting up for the Beagles. The soon-to-be 34-year-old Kane Mitchell, the uh, once Sandover medalist, is coming through and uh, lining up for the club. So good on him. Fantastic. Uh, oh, here we go. We've got a good one here. Definitely showed his age and was well past his best. But enough about Keys tonight. was great seeing Keys on the pod. Now, I reckon that last line should have been was great seeing Schofield out there, something like that. And indeed, villain nomination there for Matt, for himself, for absolutely uh, <laughs> busting that joke. Nicely done in the comments there, uh, ladies and gents. Nicely done. Oka fucking something up. Yeah, there's a surprise. What a what a shot. What a massive curveball. Uh, a little bit of heroism as well. And with apologies, I really should have actually prepped this and found the name of the journalist. But a bit of heat coming from the West this week onto the Eagles. Not from Sumich, but rather from uh, whoever it was that was turning up the heat, basically saying, why do we have 10 of the 20-odd players in the league that are listed as TBC? Why 10 of them from the Eagles? So you know what? They came in. 
Injury uh, update was a little bit more clear this week. It's the most minute of baby steps, but just a bit of clarity. Just let us know. We just want to know what's going on with the club. We just love the club. Eliza Riley is the name of the journalist. So here, uh, here a nomination there for Eliza Riley. I will, I will say I went to I went to training, sort of training on Monday. It was open session. Mm. 14 players, 15 players came out, walked around the oval a few times and then went back in the shed. That was it. That was the training. Um, but because it was wet, I sort of was standing up in the, the shelter of the, the gates on the thing and the journos were sort of milling around having their chat between themselves and the um the TBCs was most certainly a um, topic of discussion between them as a group so it was obviously uh not just you know us plebs it was sort of something that they were getting um rather shitty about as well but uh anyway very yeah, nice yeah. Who's, who's having it i think we gave it to scoey last week so i think by that logic we should really be giving it to kane mitchell this week but uh who was our hero of the week gentlemen who do we like uh rising star cully oh of course oh yeah also the guy who actually plays for us yeah he was all right yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah very yeah, seconded enough. <laughs> Jai Cully, come on down. All right, clear the runway. Keys, you've got some villainy for us. Who did wrong by us this week? Okay. It, it's <laughs> a slight... It's a, there's a hero part. I was listening to Sco, Will Schofield on one of his thousand podcasts that he does. I can't remember which one. But um, he, gave the, uh, he gave the West a nice old clip this morning because I think the back page was... Um, Schofield can't stop flogging or something like that along the lines of, um, you know, well, as if he was going to, one person was going to make, make a difference to the scoreline. Um, but he did sort of turn around and say, but that, that was in the West. And he said, that's sort of good for toilet paper. So it was nice to see him give the West the clip, who, who nice. are one of my, one of my villains, because that is a, I mean, it was never a great paper, but they just, they just keep going into new depths. There's just shit that they're coming up with. There's a column about, they write half a page about, I suppose, snitch at the West Coast Eagles and they're trying to flush them out or something oh, like that. No one, gives this, a, yeah. no, no one gives a fuck. Um, I've got journos there that um, they'll basically take a, um, uh, yeah, they'll take an injury report from West Coast. They'll run around, they'll shuffle around and put it out as a story as if they made it up. I've seen them do stories that come off, you know, interviews on a different radio station and they'll write it up as a story. They're lazy fucks, they don't give anything. Um and Sumich has gone off a on a rant on a, a double page rant today that's just idiotic. Um it's for whatever reason and it's not just it's not just with us. It's the West seem to be deliberately wanting to provoke the two WA clubs for whatever reason. It's just like just need I mean they're both neither clubs in great form admittedly so there's not a lot of positivity around but they're just um pains in the ass. Um the other one was I, I watched got to watch a few games over the weekend. The holding the ball rule is just I not this is not an Eagles thing. This is just watching footy. Is I watch a game and I can see you don't know which way decision's gonna go. Um it's gonna be a high tackle, it's you know, you're seeing guys I think one of the one of the I think one of the Fox ones highlighted the Bulldogs that pulled up about ten throws out of the Dockers yeah, game. Yeah. Um you know a, a bloke gets tackled and the ball spills out. one umpire will get up say that's holding the ball, the other one just says play on. Mm. Um you get guys some guys get carried forward in a tackle or be pushed in the back, other times it's holding the ball. Um you know, the Bazo the Bazo one on the weekend that I mentioned, you know, the guy fell on his back and he got the ball trapped underneath him, so okay. Okay, that's holding the ball. 
you know, it's there's just no. I'm not. I'm not actually blaming the umpires on this because the rule is just such a mess. They've got so many things that they have to look at. They've got to work out has a player dropped at the knees to get create Hyde's contact. Um, has he disposed of it properly? Did he have prior opportunity? There's there's about 15 different things the umpire's got to process in a, in the space of you know half a second. Yeah, uh, and keys. The challenge as well is we've now got four of them. So if yeah. one of them has three of them agree and one of them has a different view on it whistle goes game stops that's a free it's, and, and, it's such and one a of them will, impossible and, and view. one will pull it from 60 meters away yeah you know it's just it's a it really is a fucking joke um that and the goal line cameras you know it's like mm. if you're gonna have reviews fucking invest some money in some cameras that aren't like i'm using a fucking nokia 4410 nicely done yeah. uh ben, bender for yourself any any villains this week uh look i don't know if it's a villain call um and Migs has started to um mention it in mm. the um in the comments which is uh look at it's it's just an interesting decision you kind of have the um the opportunity to to get something fresh and new and you just kind of go next door and and pick the guy with a similar name to you even Gillen and Dylan I know they're they're one's first and one's last name but anyway save money on the door spenciling um but good yeah that that was a little bit i was kind of a bit meh about that you know what i mean it just kind of seems like an uninspired choice um just kind of feels like it's going to be more of the same yeah 12 i I had that down for sure yeah 12 months to find a guy sitting in the next office yeah the Mm, two i see who should we get should we get the guy who's next in line yeah go on then Mm. okay um i I forgot one oh go on Um, it, it hasn't got much traction, but there was an article. Uh, Paul Marsh, who's the head of the AFL Players Association or the CEO or whatever, um, who's going to be a pretty key figure as they renegotiate the CBA, he's mm. come out beginning of this week and said uh, in, an, in, in a goal to sort of try and get um, all players to have an equal chance of winning a premiership no matter where they're drafted to. So his fucking brilliant idea was to... Uh, to help the clubs disadvantaged by giving them extra money um, or allowing them to have a higher football department cap spend or something like that. So a process to allow struggling clubs to get more or be able to spend more so they can be more competitive with the... So you don't get, you know, well-grown clubs succeeding from them being well-run. Um, and Oka's sort of had a crack at me already because I posted it twice. If anyone's looked at the competitive balance funding model, what he's talking about, they already do. Mm. Like there's sides that, you know, every side gets the base level of contribution for the AFL. It's about 10 million. That's what we get. Um, I think Richmond and Hawthorne are around about the same. And then there's Collingwood don't get a lot. And then there's a few other clubs, Fremantle and Adelaide and that get another million or two. Then there's a bunch of clubs that get like 15, 16 and then get through to the, the, um, the seagulls up north that get, you know, 20, 25 mil. So, you know, he's talking, you've already got a system where those clubs are getting, um, you know, getting thrown life rafts, um, and he wants to, he wants to throw more. It's like, no, if if you can't run your club properly or you can't get enough fucking support, get out of fucking league. That well, you tell you what, that's a good uh, little segue into the other one. So, Bender, I'm with you on the CEO search. Bit of a bit of a curveball there. We've gone with another 
Andy D, and we've got another bloody you know AFL guy. Do we shake it up? Do we change the formula? Nah, get the next guy in. But keys in line with that. Look, a hero nomination would be they're going to give Tassie a license. That seems to be the way that it's all going. Almost borderline confirmed now, if it hasn't been already. Happy with that. The more look, I don't want more licenses. I think the pool's a little bit diluted. I would reduce it from eighteen to sixteen. But they're not going to do that. They're not going to fold or merge or move any of the Vic clubs. So you know what? Fine. If we're going to dilute it, at least let's more non Vics and let's try and balance things out a little bit obviously your sons your giants whatever this tassie team is going to be called they're very reliant on the afl so i don't expect them to be some real thorn in the side pushing some anti-afl house agenda like perhaps i would like the non-vix to team up and do but anyway look fine tassie represented good happy with that and then today tom brown genius that is wa number three let's get it let's get a third club in wa that is for precisely nobody you can already get a ticket on game day at most freo games Probably the way we're going at the moment, you probably could at Eagles games as well. So it's not for that, you know, well, we're locked out of all the other games. Let's get a game day ticket market. Nobody's deserting the Eagles or Frio to go and get a, get a new club, go support, you know, Rockingham or Leaderville or whoever. And also, like, you've got, you know, if you elevate Subiaco or Swan Districts or whoever it might be, you're just alienating eight other Waffle fan bases. So there is no chance that a WA third club would succeed. Doesn't make sense. Don't float it. Leave it at 19. I know it's a bit of a strange number to have in the league, but far out. Canberra don't have a team. If you're going to go for some non-viable team that at least expands the league, give Northern Territory a 5,000-seat stadium and a team. You know, WA3, non-starter. Don't want to hear it. No good. Anyway, who's having our uh, a Villain of the Week? Who wins it this week? Um, I, Yeah, Tom Brown, because he's just a clueless good. idiot. Mark, get, get him on the board. Fantastic. He'll, get, he'll, get, he'll, be, he'll be on there again before the year's out. Well done, Tom. Well done. All right, we're back at home. A few weeks in Adelaide, the Eagles are back at home. We're chasing a result. We're chasing some improvement, as we always are uh, in this season 2023. Round seven versus Carlton. A couple of ins, a couple of outs. Shannon Hearn is back. Exxon is back as well, which is interesting because, obviously, in a Zane True-like situation, we saw him come in, and then we saw him immediately bundled straight out. Uh, Bend of the outs, Bazo comes out as the sub. We'll see what happens there with the sub. Shuey out injured and True uh, has been dropped after a, a performance that we sort of touched on at the top there. Bender, a mixed bag from Carlton this year. We don't really know what to make of them. On paper and at the start of the year, as we often hear, they're a finalist. They're ready to go. They're one of the great sides in footy. And yet now we're sort of sitting at a club that doesn't really know what its identity is. And beyond having a, a really nice you know, forward line, you have to say, I'm not really sure what the threat is at Carlton because their midfielders rack up great numbers and they still get absolutely thumped by you know all comers basically yeah same old story with Carlton they're promising the world and not delivering anything you know what I mean um but uh look I'm sure they'll get their their easy kill this weekend and then you know the media will be back all over them um but yeah look I I think Kerno is the one that worries me most out of Mm. their team I think he's got the Mm. ability to score a lot of goals against us I think Mackay will get pretty well held by Barras um I just don't think we've got a a, an agile enough matchup for Kerno who can match him for for height as well um it's been interesting I mean I'm assuming maybe Rotham will match up on him I'm not sure yeah that's yeah yeah um I'm not sure who else in the back line Maybe if Bazo comes in, that would be great. But, you know, I think he'd, he'd probably cop a toweling, but it would be just good to see Bazo play or get more minutes. Mm. Um, I'm just back, back to the ins and outs. I, I just, I'm, I don't know why we see O'Neill 
for a short stint. Then he comes out. Then we see mm. True for a game. So True comes out. O'Neill comes back in. Could, could we not have just left um, O'Neill in for another game? And, you know, you've not left, left True in for another game. You know what well, I mean? It's just exactly. continuity would have been fantastic. Um, exactly. Did O'Neill play Waffle? I'm trying to, I can't even remember. I watched the Scoey game, you know, and there was uh, also some other players there, but I don't really recall him at all. I'm, not I'm sure. pretty sure I, travel? From, from Miguel earlier that he didn't play Waffle. So no, he didn't. Um, so he sat out for the week, and then he's come back in. So I'm not sure about the decision behind that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, look, not huge on the changes. Um, Hearn obviously great. Shuey disappointingly, you know, out. But uh, you know, you want to see just kids get a run. Mm. You know what I mean? And 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 and. and we're not going to know more about them until they get consecutive games. And I just don't get the, we're at the perfect time to do this. There, there is going to be no better time in our history for kids to get consecutive games than right now. We have an injury list. We're expected to be crap. Why, why can't True get three or four games in a row? You know, or O'Neill get three or four games in a row. Yes. So, yeah, um, the, the, the outs are a little bit sad, but, um, you know, hopefully we can build this week and get a healthier list and then get a little bit more balance a week after. But I don't know what to expect from the game. I'm, I'm expecting a, another 40-point loss after getting smashed for 15 minutes of the game and then I'm wrestling it back to on par to, to finish it out. But I don't know. Are you heading to the game on Saturday night? Yeah, I am. And I suppose that's, a, that's an interesting thing to sort of pick up on. And, and Keys, I'll bring you in on this one here as well. You think improvement would be not having that lapse. Obviously, we saw against Geelong a massive lapse. We saw it even as early as round one against North Melbourne. Port Adelaide, we had the lapse. It wasn't quite as bad, obviously. Therefore, the margin wasn't quite as bad. But ultimately, look, we, we did have that lapse there. I guess that's the growth for me. And, and you know, Bendy's saying, yeah, look, I'm, I'm going to go along and I'll be interested to see the structures and I'll be interested to see who we use in the middle and all this sort of stuff. But for me, Keys, it's what happens when we're tested. What happens in, let's say, it's going to be the second quarter again, as it seems to often be. How do we not let go of the rope? Carlton get two. How do we stop him getting three or four or five or six? You know, that's, that's for me, Keys, where I think that improvement's going to be centered around. Yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, shutting them. Shut, if they get if they start getting on top, how do we shut them down? Um, you know, they they haven't, um, Carl haven't really got a hold of anyone yet this mm. year. I think I, something like, you know, despite having two common medalists in their forward line, they've kicked nine or less goals in four of their matches or something like that. Yeah, so, bottom four in scoring, which seems. Yeah, seventeenth so, in goals assists, bottom four in scoring makes no so, sense. Yeah, you know, they're they're sort of misfiring. I think. Um, Mackay's a little bit of a worry in that he's been under a bit of scrutiny this week in terms of his kicking and goal mm. kicking and things like that. Yeah, and he's he's a he's a fucking big unit. So, um, you know, if he if he gets his tail up and the ball's starting to come down to him, he's going to be pretty hard to stop because. He's probably got a good three or four inches on Barass um, at a get because I think he's something like six nine or six ten something stupid like that. Jesus. So, um, so he's a, he's, a, he's a big he's a big lump. So, um, so that's going to be a worry. And I've got and I've got Doherty and Saad back in the side. Yep. So they've got that sort of rebound off half back that they've been missing. Um, that'll that'll sort of drive them a bit. So. Yeah, and they've got well, they've got Walsh and Cripps and Sarah through the middle, so they've got some they've got some ability through there. So um, yeah, Pitner's Pitner will be a bit of a challenge for Williams, but he's not yeah. an over melt. You know, he's pretty tall, so Williams has given away a bit of height, but I don't think Pitner has much of a got much of a leap on him. So 
I, I think it's just it'd be nice to see four quarters. I mean, mm. if you're going to lose, I mean, I can you can turn around and say, oh, you know, lose by six goals, but lose by six goals because they've got one or two goals on you each quarter, rather than like one big whack and. And yep. you're sort of left, but you're left, you, you walk around the game, so I, you know, I mean, the Geelong and the Port games were both similar in that it was nice to see a fight back, but part of it, you're sort of left wondering, well, did, did those sides take the foot off the pedal a little bit as well? Um, so it'd be nice to be in a game, like, you know, still in the game at three quarter time, you know, mm. where you, you know, if you only say two or three goals down at three quarter time, you think, okay, well, we're, we're in it still. And if, um, and just make it a contest for, for four quarters. So, um, yeah, it's a shame that Carlton sort of lost on the weekend because I sort of began a bit of heat from the press over there that happens. So, ah, but see, if they'd won, they would have been coming in with good momentum, good form. So, you know, <laughs> swings and roundabouts. Yeah, I've always, one of those I've, funny enough, I've always been one of those ones. I've always rather play a team off a win than off a loss. Uh, going through the Carlton list, and, you know, we're talking about what's the midfield mix going to look like and, and, I mean, on paper, and this is how the Herald Sun get the tail up every year, but you look at the list against the St Kilda, uh, you know, in this game against St Kilda, Chera had 39, Walsh 38, Akers 36, Cripps 34, Hewitt 29, Newman 28. So they have the top six disposal getters on the ground before you get to St Kilda's Jack Sinclair with 27. And yet they were nowhere near it, really. They got sort of blown away in that second half and pretty much really didn't go down with any much of a fight at all. You're coming up against a different midfield mix. You're coming up against... Let's see what they do with O'Neill. Let's see what they do with Cully. Jinby, obviously. We'll see what happens there. But Kelly's in great form. Gaff has been eating up centre bounce attendances and obviously in a little bit of a different role. It's not a mature midfield by any stretch. We know where we're at. But on paper, Bender, it looks like the sort of thing where they could just blow us away. And yet, like we're talking with the scoring, that midfield is 15th in clearances. You know, they they clear average one more clearance than the Eagles do a game. And it just seems staggering that you're looking at a Zane True, Xavier O'Neill, Tim Kelly in great form, but Andrew Gaff playing on the defensive side of the stoppage midfield versus Walsh and Akers and Chera and Cripps and all these sorts of guys. They get the ball once out of the middle more than we do. So that midfield almost presents an opportunity to stake a little bit of a claim and go, no, no, we're we're trending all right. We can actually hang with some of these big physical midfielders. Oh, look, it'd be a good test, but I think you're right. They're very much an on-paper team, aren't they? You know, if you if you <laughs> yeah. say those say those names and hold them up, you think like, oh, wow, this, this is a formidable team. And they're stinking it up like usual, standard Carlton. Um, but yeah, look, I, I would like to see, um, look, I, I, you know, a, a couple of good matchups in terms of, of good competition and to learn from in Crips and, um, and Walsh, um, chair is a little bit of a stats patter. I don't really rate him that greatly. I'm not yeah, sure I'm why they chased guy. after him. Um, but Saad and, um, you know, I think Keys covered at Saad and Doherty are probably the ones to worry about. I don't think yep. we have a half forward flank to keep up with Saad. I think once he gets the ball, he's going to burn off who we've got down there. Um, unfortunately, um, and Doherty is just clever. Um, but mm. I think because West has stayed in the side, hasn't he? So I think, um, Simo doesn't mind having him as some of this sort of like half forward flank, uh, tagger, if you know what I mean, rebounding tagger. And I think he'll get smashed if he goes to Saad, but I don't think he'll be terrible against Doherty if he can keep him a little bit quieter and accountable. That'd be good. Can I throw uh, a bit of a curveball and say... You said the clearance dumb is something. Oh, no, no, sorry. I was just going to say, yeah. while you're talking Saad, somebody like Petch, you know, do you yeah. give him a sacrificial role if he's not going to find too much of the footy? As he, I mean, he was all right on the weekend, but, you know, not a prominent ball winner. 
do you give him a run with roll? Do you try and shut down what Carlton want to do and hope that the tools win it for us at one end more than their tools win it at the other end? Yeah, yeah I don't want to go. Eye- you know, so I was going to say, don't want to, don't want too many people playing a negative role, obviously in our forward line. So they probably want to choose one or the other, shut down Doherty or shut down Sard, and decide who's going to True. be more hurt factor. Um, but yeah, Petch is a possibility. Sorry, go ahead, Keith. Yeah, I think I like the idea of giving Petch a job, giving you know, so he doesn't have to think too much and just say, look, just don't worry about your own game too much. Just just prevent Sard running through because I think. Um, Sard's run can break up a zone. I mean, we're not a quick, we're not a quick side. So if you get someone like Sard bursting through the middle and and creating havoc through a zone, it's gonna, we're gonna look pretty silly pretty quick. So I think you get Pech to say, look, just go with him, run with him, just make sure he doesn't get clear, clear metres. Mm. Um, and then when we've got the ball, run, you know, take punt, run forward and make him make him defend because, I mean, he's not an accountable defender as such. Um, he likes to run forward and get ahead of it. So, um, you know, maybe... And Petch is pretty good running back towards goal. So Out the back, yeah, yeah, you know he gets a lot of a lot of his goals. He gets like that. So you know maybe try and do that and expose Sard back the other way a little bit and make him second guess charging up the field too much. So you know Petch Petch on Sard's not a not a silly idea. Um, and someone like yeah, if we're not going to use Cully in the middle, use Cully on Doherty. Mm. Doherty's not quick, um, but he can find it. So and then um, you know Cully's there. He can, you know, maybe take a mark overhead and, and, and engage Docky that way. So, you know, you don't want too many defensive, but, you know, you, you take those two guys out, that's a lot of their drive off, off half-back. Um, so it'll be interesting to see with those two because, I mean, been a lot of criticisms of West Coast about bringing guys back too soon. Um, Sam Doherty was on the Carlton injury list on Tuesday with two to four weeks. Yeah, sometime. Um, and now he's back in the side. So, um, and Sad's, and Sard's coming back on the of of a hamstring and he has had a history of, of hamstring trouble so it, it's quite interesting to see given how much um, you know, grief we've got in our own medicos about bringing guys back too soon and Carlton have done a very very similar thing mm. so um, I would like to run both those guys pretty hard to test to test them out especially Sard although testing Sard with Trichelli is going to be a string off <laughs> oh god don't put that out into the universe thanks Case. not right now uh <laughs> I think we're all on sort of the same page in terms of consistency and and like Keys mentioned, look, if they beat us, they beat us. That's sort of where we're at. We know what's going on. They're probably going to be breathing fire as well a little bit after a bit of a bad week. But make it, they beat us by a couple goals in the first quarter and then a goal in the second and then a couple in the third and it is what it is, you know what I mean? Let's not have that one quarter blowout that just stops it as a competitive spectacle. So Bender, with that in mind, I reckon we might get into some tips, but also who are you most intrigued to watch on the weekend? You know, is there someone that you'd like to see a bit of a role change or a challenge given to or is it as simple as you just want to see some of the kids go nuts and, and have a good week who's going to win and, and who do you like this weekend um i'm going to go equals for the moral win and uh oh, by so good <laughs> by we're going to win the moral the moral win by seven free kicks um whatever oh, that means so good. Well, um right. but um yeah but outside of that i think Hopefully, um, look, I think you guys have, have covered it pretty well. It's not a, a, a one 10-minute blowout and it's just like, you know, they kind of sneak a couple here and there and 
and it gets mm. away from us. But um, look, no one in particular this week. Uh, I, I'm hoping um, I'm starting to get a little bit jittery about Jinbi getting knocked around too much. I know that they took him out of the um, the midfield last week, perhaps for that reason. Um, but I'm, I'm starting to worry that, you know, that his body might get a little bit of wear and tear. I'd like to see him get a rest, but for who? I don't know. Um, mm. But yeah, same same as, as you've said, see the kids running. Hopefully Jones strings together a good couple of games in a row because I think he, he tends to have a blinder and then maybe fade out a little bit, maybe gets too much attention from the opposition. So I'm hoping maybe he can back up a good game. Um, that Probably that's about it for me, I think. Keys? Um, I think... We're a sneaky chance, one. Um, it's at home, mm. so you know if we can if we can hold them early and and go with them early, then you know maybe they get a little bit of doubt, self doubt starts to creep in, perhaps. So I, I think you know we're, I think we'll probably lose by about four or five goals. So I'll say twenty seven points. Um, I'd like interesting to see how Rotham goes. That was um, my one. Good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know he's probably going to he's. You'll probably end up with Kerno for the most part. Um, so yeah, he's he's contracted for next year, so he's not really playing for his spot on the list. But yeah, he needs to he needs to come on. I think there's there's a player there that could actually be quite good, but we just haven't really seen it. So. Um, with a bit of responsibility and a, and a step up on Colonel and a dedicated job, I kind of like to see how how he goes. Yeah, he was mine, and the Hawkins matchup is the one that you know that they sort of challenged him with that to a bit of a degree. Oh, not Hawkins, sorry, excuse me, Cameron. Uh, when we played Geelong, and I know Cameron had that little burst in the second quarter where the Cats couldn't do anything wrong, but I actually thought outside of that he did pretty well. And with Barras and you'd say Rotham going to have one or the other in terms of McKay and Kerno. He's going to have a role. He's going to have a, a bit of a lockdown job to to perform and to deliver on, hopefully. So Rotham, definitely interesting for me. Uh, I, I'm with you, Keys. I actually can't shake the feeling that we're a bit of a sneaky chance. But as Bender said, Carlton are an on-paper team. I, I can't, in all good conscience, tip, him, tip, tip us against a team with that Walsh, Cripps, you know, everybody else in their chair, even though, like Bender said, I'm not really a chair guy either. But the maturity of their midfield versus ours, I can't... Can't shake the feeling that we're a sneaky chance, but I really, I really can't pull the trigger on it, unfortunately. So let's say that Carlton win; they're going to win by thirty-six or there or thereabouts. Hopefully, Roth goes well, and uh, Cully. I'm interested to see what they do with Cully. Obviously, had a great game. Do they stick with this? Is this a role for him, or do they just try and throw him in there and bash and crash a little bit and do the old go stand next to Crips and see what you can learn in two hours of footy sort of technique? So Carlton will win it, but uh, plenty to be learned hopefully for the boys on the weekend. Yep. All right, guys, I reckon that will do it from us this week. Thank you to everybody in the comments. Bender, thank you very much for jumping on the show, mate. No, thank you for having me. Um, look, I, I'll just quickly say we got a pinch one somewhere. Um, it, yeah. You know, and you, this it, it does feel like it's a candidate, but you know, who knows? We'll wait and see. Hopefully, 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 we're on next week reviewing a win. Keys, thank you very much for jumping on the show. As always. Yeah. Yep. Good. Go eggs. I'm going again, so we'll um, hopefully have a win. Get a win. Very good. Thank you for everybody uh, in the comments. We will catch up with you again next week and unpack the Carlton game. We'll look ahead down the line as well. Hopefully, we're talking about another rising stars. Anybody eligible? Who's eligible from this lineup? Exxon would be too old, surely. No, there's no, there's no one. I don't think um, like Bazo and Chesser and Hewitt and Long are all eligible, um, but they're not playing. So, um, oh well. I think everyone else is um, yeah, everyone else is too too old. So true to be the sub. Come on in the fourth quarter, yeah. have twenty and a goal, yeah. get a nomination. True, true, true. 
I think True is. Yeah, there you go. True, yeah, True, True would be. So okay. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll get another one. Uh, maybe not this week then, but we'll we'll keep an eye on that one, and hopefully, we just get a good game of footy on the weekend instead. Thank you to everybody who's uh, who's tuned in. Bye for now. We will talk to you next week. Go the eggs. Bye. See ya.